Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Lamed Aleph, the Mishnah mentioned the obligations of children to parents, uh, including Kibud Ava'em, and to fear them as well. Uh, on the previous Daf also, we saw that Kibud Ava'em is compared to honor and fear of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as three partners in creation. So we continue on that theme. Taneh Tanakameh Derav Nachman, a Tanat reciter of uh, oral law, recited the following Baraita before Rav Nachman. Bizman she'adam mesa'ir et abiv et imo, amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, yafeh asiti, shilo darti benehem, she'ilmale darti benehem, si'aruni, when a person causes suffering to his father or his mother. HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu says, it's a good thing that I did not dwell among humans human beings, because if I did, they would cause me suffering as well. So as a kind of third parent, um, uh, God says it's a good thing that he is totally in, you know, outside of the world, um, because look how people treat their creators. More on the theme of people uh, uh, insulting causing suffering to God, anyone who sins in hiding. It's not good to sin in public either, but that's a, it's, a, it's a different type of sin. When someone sins in hiding, he thinks that, oh, I guess God doesn't, can't see, doesn't know what I'm doing. So it's as if he's pushing away the feet of God, since the entire earth is God's footstool, the heavens are his throne. Um, so in fact, God's presence is on earth. Um, it's a little bit contradictory to this that says God does not dwell on earth. It's true. He does not dwell. His primary dwelling is not on earth. That way he doesn't have to always be here and suffer through uh, human uh, rebelliousness. Uh, but his presence, his feet, so to, so to speak, is uh, somewhat on earth and knows everything that's going on. And so that person who sins in private is kind of like uh, pushing God's presence away and doesn't want him around, doesn't think he's around. More on that theme, a person should not walk more than four amot uh, upright, as uh, as in uh, all proud and haughty, uh, because uh, the pasuk says all of the earth is full of God's glory. And so, if you're in the presence of a king, a dignitary, so you lower yourself. And so, we are always in the presence of the King of the Universe. Rav Huna Bere de Rav Yehoshua Lamaske Arba Amot Belgilui Rosh Amashikinale Malameroshi. Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yehoshua, would not walk for Amot with an uncovered head. He said, The Divine Presence is above me, and therefore, to show my respect and humility, he would cover his head. So, this is already a few times we've seen in the few, last few Tapim. This idea of covering one's head uh, sounds like this was not a universal custom to wear a kippah, uh, but rather that Tamidech Chamim would make sure to do so as a sign of respect and humility. Sha'al ben Almana achat et Rabbi Eliezer. Aba omed ima omedet kodem. So back to the theme of kibud av. A certain person who was a son of a widow, meaning he did not have a father who was alive, um, asked. 
to be Eliezer. And now he didn't tell it to be Eliezer that he is a Ben Amana. So, but he asked a question as a, a theoretical. If my father says, get me something to drink, and my mother also says, me, gets, gets, gets something to drink, to, to drink, and now I have a conflict, which one of them should I do first? So he said, you should leave off the honor of your mother and attend to the honor of your father because both you and your mother are both required to honor the father. The father is the, uh, is the head of the household and so if he would ask his wife to get something for him, right, she would do that. So therefore, um, the honor of your father takes precedence. Uh, so then the same person went and asked Rabbi Yoshua the same question. So you see, like he's uh, shopping around for, I don't know, for a different answer. And um, uh, so he gave him the same answer. And then the, uh, the, the, this uh, uh, questioner says, uh, Master, what if my parents are divorced? See, and then you don't have this reason that the, the mother is subservient to the father because they're divorced. And so now she's not his wife. She doesn't have to show respect for her husband. She's not her husband anymore. So now, but, but the son is still the son of both of them. So now, then what are you going to say? Who takes precedent, the mother or the father? So Rabbi Yoshua said, "From the uh, uh, from the your, your eyelashes, uh, meaning uh, I, I see that you are, are full of tears. You have some sadness in your eyes, and I can see that you are a son of a widow. You do not have a father, and therefore you're not asking this sincerely." as a practical question that your father and mother are divorced and therefore you're asking you're asking it just as a theoretical to kind of stump the rabbi so therefore uh, Rabbi Yoshua gives him a sarcastic and uh, humorous answer why don't you just put some water in a bowl for them and squawk at them like chickens do uh, like you would do to summon chickens right can come right let the let your parents come uh, at the same time and uh, get water obviously he's not going to do that but his point is that you are being disrespectful here right now by asking this question um so uh, i mean the, the, the rabbis do, don't mind theoretical questions they ask theoretical questions all the time uh the point to, to get at a uh, to understand the point better to understand argumentation or reason uh but here this uh questioner was just uh, asking for the sake of uh stumping the rabbi causing trouble and was not really sincere about the question so therefore the rabbi treated him uh in that way. I addressed this story in my book on classical rhetoric and the rabbis, and I, I, I found uh, a case just like this in classical rhetorical sources that talk about these kinds of theoretical cases and also talk about obligation to a father and a mother and what happens when they come into conflict. So um, this questioner might be like uh, taking a rhetorical exercise that maybe he heard in some Greek school and now is uh, asking the rabbis about it. And so they, 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 they uh, uh, understood that and realized that he's really just uh, um, asking, not sincerely, but uh, just to kind of poke fun at the rabbis. Darash Ula Rabba Apitcha Debe Nisi'a. Ula, the great one, um, gave the following derasha at the opening, at the entrance of the house of the Nasi. This would be a prestigious, pre prestigious position for the Nasi'a. 
Nasi to allow someone to come and give a public lecture uh, there in front of his house. So, um, so he said this <coughs> uh, uh, publicly and therefore authoritatively. What does pasuk mean in that all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, Hashem, because they heard the words of your mouth? It says it in plural. Why not just say they heard your word? Why plural? So when the other nations of the of the world heard uh, the Ten Commandments, they heard just the first two. And it says, I am the I am Hashem who took you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. So the nations of the world have said, Oh, this is a self-serving lawgiver. Right? Hashem wants uh, B'nai Israel to do all these laws, be his nation, all that, so that uh, because he's jealous and just wants them to serve him and no other gods. That's a, a, a negative interpretation of uh, the, of the uh, law giving that they had heard so far. But when they kept on listening and they heard a little bit more, and Hashem got to the fifth commandment and said, that said, honor your father and the mother, that's the imre picha, right? When if you just hear, hear a little bit of Torah, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, right? If you only only hear that commandment, don't have other, other gods, it's sounds like God just uh, cares about his own honor. Uh, but when they realized, when they heard this one, Hashem wants people to honor their parents. Then they changed their mind. And they realized that the our opening first two commandments also were were good, 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 good for everyone, good for their own sake. That is good for a person, a created being, to give thanks, gratitude, honor, and fear to his creators, including his father and mother and his divine creator. And so this is not for God's selfish reasons. He doesn't need uh, people to uh, praise him or honor him. It's good for us to be, to, it's an honor for us to be able to do that. The same point Rava uh, uh, derived from this pasuk that says, the beginning of your word is truth. What do you mean? Only beginning of God's word is truth? The end of God's word is not? Rather, from once we get to the end, then we see that the beginning was truth. If you just ha- if you had only the, f- the first couple of laws that said, don't have any other gods, only worship me, right? If you have only that, only worship me, then it sounds like this is self-serving. But from uh, the end of the uh, the rest of the ten of the commandments, we see that's not self-serving, but rather. Uh, is in fact for our good. Uh, the, the students asked Rav Ola, to what extent does one have to honor his father and mother? Right, famous stories here. Um, go see what this non-Jew did. He, lived, he lives in Ashkelon in Israel. His name is Dama ben Netina. One time the sages were, had some, uh, uh, wanted to uh, buy something from uh, Dama Benetina and his father. 
uh, who were in a, they had they, they were selling the stuff and there was they were gonna there were uh, uh, they, they, they could have made six hundred thousand gold dinars of profit if um, they, the sale would have gone through however the key to the storehouse where the merchandise was was under the head of uh, under the pillow of Dama Benetina and his father was sleeping and so Dama Benetina would not dare to disturb his father's sleep and so he said sorry I can't make the sale right you have to go buy it from somewhere else I will not disturb my father's sleep so he's willing to lose out on a huge uh, profit in order to not disturb his father's sleep right that shows that shows uh, uh, one example even from his uh, from a non-jew who's not commanded in and yet he figured it out on his own right this is logical uh, that someone uh, that one should give great honor to his father Okay, you wonder what the uh, what the, the rest of the story was, right? Eventually, when his father woke up, what did he say? Did he say, "Oh, thank you for letting me sleep," or did he say, "What six hundred thousand gold dinar? You should have woken me up. Why do we? Why did you lose out on that business?" All right, Amad Avihu Damashimuel Shalu et Rabbi Eliezer Adichan Kibud Avaem. They asked the same question to be Eliezer. To what was the maximum extent that one has to do uh, honoring of his parents? Amad Lehem Suru Me'asa Nochriya Chalabi Ve'Ashkelon Ve'Dama Benet. He says, go see what this non-Jew did who uh, lived in Ashkelon for his father. His name is Dama Benetina. Uh, this might be another story or maybe just a variation of that same story that we just saw. Hachamim came and they were looking for a, a precious stone for the ephod, for the uh, the Choshen uh, of the Kohen Gadol. Um, and so, and it would have been, they had one. <clears throat> Don Benetina had one, his father had one, and they would have uh, paid uh, 600,000 gold dinar. Right? It looks like the same story, it just has a little bit more detail. But Avkana Matne Bishmonim Ribor, Avkana, in his version, it says they. <coughs> stood to make a profit of 800,000 gold and uh, the key to that st- warehouse was under his head and he was sleeping and he did not Dama uh, Benetina would not dare to wake up his father even though he lost out on that sale HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent them a reward because in their on their farm they had a nice para aduma born in their herd, right? That was perfect, no, old, nice red hair. Nachamim came to him, right, to, to see if they could purchase this Paraduma. And Dama Benetina says, I know that if you, whatever I asked from you, if I asked you all the money in the world, you would give it to me because it's so rare to find the Paraduma, right? This is, uh, where, where are they going to find something else? He could have asked for them a million gold dinar, they would have given it to him. But I'm not going to do that to you, right? I sees that Dama Benetina was a, a good, honest person. And all I all I would ask is the money that I lost out on that sale, right? That six hundred thousand or eight hundred thousand in the other version, um, and that's all he did to make up that loss that he had um, uh, for that lost sale. 
And so he was not, uh, he was also not a greedy person. This non-Jew who was not commanded to honor his parents, and yet he goes to such an extent, so Jews who are commanded, all the more so, we have to honor our parents to even a greater extent. Because Bichanina explained that greater is the reward for someone who is commanded to do something, and someone who does it voluntarily. Now, we would think the opposite. If I'm paid and it's my job and I have to do something, well, then that should, yeah, person should get less credit than someone who goes and volunteers. He doesn't have to do it. And he just does it out of the kindness of his heart. Shouldn't that person get a greater reward? Well, in one sense, that's true. Uh, but psycho- psychologically, the opposite is also true. If someone uh, does is commanded to do something so the natural human reaction is that once I have to do it I don't want I don't want to do it anymore right there's lots of uh, students uh, kids that would be happy to read a read a novel read a book and they enjoy it but once the school assigns it then they don't want to read it right and this is a uh, natural human behavior uh, a, a lot of um, research shows that if someone volunteers to do something right they go and they help out at the soup kitchen every day um, so they're happy to do that they do without pay, no problem. But what if you start paying them for that, right? Even if you, whatever, whatever you give them, um, and you start once they once you start paying for them, then they don't want to do it anymore, right? Because once it becomes paid, then it's like, oh, I feel bound to do it. Um, so then it feels like by, by getting paid, that makes it feel like a job feel like it's uh, obligatory and then uh, naturally human psychology wants to not do it. So therefore, um, the, uh, the, 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 this uh, Dama Benetina who wanted his father, um, he did it just out of the goodness of his heart and it's very commendable. So, uh, and he gets great, great reward. So, uh, the uh, Jewish people who are commanded to do so and therefore may say, oh, I don't want to do it. Now I have to do it. So if we do it, all the more so, we would deserve reward. Amad Yosef, Medesh Hava Amina, Manda Hava Amar Li, Halacha Kerebi Yudad Amar Suma, Patur Min Hamisvot, Abina Yomat Haval Rabbanan. Rav Yosef himself was blind. And he said, at first, I used to think uh, that I used to say that anyone who would tell me that halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda said, a soma, a blind person, does not have to keep mitzvot. Um, so if anyone would tell me that halacha follows him, I would make him a party, right? Because uh, I, I, I am not commanded, and yet I do it. So uh, if I'm not commanded, so he, he, Rabbi Yosef is not trying to get out of doing mitzvot. He's doing, he does every mitzvah, certainly with, uh, with the exactness. Uh, but uh, Yosef's point is, since I'm blind, um, and I'm doing the misvot anyway, and uh, so if you tell me that I'm patu, I don't have to do it, and looks, then I would do it anyway, because of course I'm going to do it anyway, so I would do it without being commanded, I'll make a party for that person, because that means I'm doing it, and I'll get greater reward, because I'm not commanded to do it. That's what I used to think. However, but now that I heard this uh, teaching of Rabbi Hanina that 
the greater is the reward for someone who is commanded more than someone who is not commanded. Now I say the opposite. Someone who tells me halacha is not like Rabbi Yehuda, I'll make them a party uh, because if I'm not commanded, uh, as a, uh, if halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, who says uh, a blind person is not commanded and I am not commanded, then I get less reward. But if halacha is not like Rabbi Yehuda and a blind person is commanded to do misvot, then I'll get greater reward as per Rabbi Hanina, so I'd make a party knowing that I'm commanded and get greater reward. Ravdimi, who used to come from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, he added the following story about Dama ben Netina. Once he was wearing a very fine cloak made out of gold. He was sitting among the nobles of Rome and his mother came to him. She seemed to be, you know, out of her mind, uh, angry at something, whatever. She comes up to him, tears his garment, smacks him on the head, spits in his face, and he did not embarrass her, right? Even though he was probably not deserving of this, his mother just had gone insane um, but he just took it and he got he was embarrassed in front of all the other dignitaries but he would not embarrass his mother important statement about the way one treats one's parents you can have one person who feeds his father the finest pheasants uh, uh, fine birds were considered a, even a better delicacy than meat so yeah, I can have a person who feeds his father gourmet the best meals and yet causes his behavior, causes that son to be removed from the world. I mean, he's doing something bad. And there could be someone else who is who makes his father grind with a millstone, do difficult physical labor, and yet that uh, that child, that son will that and, and treating the father that way will bring him to Olam Haba. How so? Well, it's all in the attitude, right? Uh, you can uh, uh, a person can feed his father a gourmet meal and and and, and do it with a grunt. There's a uh, uh, here you go, you know, go go munch on this, uh, you know, and 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 say it not with a smile, and so make the father feel bad. So even though you're giving something uh, that's worth a lot of money, but uh, you you're doing it in a disrespectful way, in a shame causing shame to the father so that's not called kibbutz avaim on the other hand if you have a family that's poor down and out and everybody needs to work and they just they can't make ends meet without the father having to work at the millstone and the son also is going and working hard and so you know he says you know dad i really uh respect you and love you and but uh you know i wish that i could uh, make more money and so you could retire and sit and relax but we just you know we have to feed the the uh the, the, the children and so on so you know if you could please uh grind this you know, do, do this grinding and so on. So there, even though he is asking his father to do this hard physical labor, but he's doing it in a respectful way. So it's not about the content and matter. It's not about being rich or poor or giving or not giving. Right? Same thing with giving to the poor. Um, even if a person doesn't have a lot, they only have a quarter, but you give a nice, say a nice word to the poor person. Um, that's better than giving him a hundred dollars, but doing so and while you're insulting. 
the poor person. Rabbi Abu says, I want to give you an example of someone who is an exemplar, and that is my son, Avimi. Uh, here's the story. My son, Avimi, he himself had five sons who all got semicha, they had high level of learning and authority and the in the and they were all you know active in um Rabbi, in, in in the lifetime of their father so the point is avimi himself has already accomplished great things he was a, an important person right he himself had five sons who were important people and yet when Rabbi Abu, that's Avimi's father, who's explaining this, um, when uh, Rabbi Abu would come and, uh, and knock on the gate to visit Avimi, Avimi didn't sit down and let someone else, one of the sons or one of the uh, people that worked there, go and answer the door. Avimi himself would get up and run uh, to get there as quickly as possible so that his father, Rabbi Abu, would not have to wait. And even more than that, he would call ahead and say, yes, yes, I'm coming to open the door so that uh, Rabbi Abu would not wonder, are they coming? Is someone home? Right. So that's the extent of how much he cared, not even for, for his father, not even to wait or wonder for a second. Now one day, Rabbi Abu um, said to his son, Avimi, can you get me some or oh, something to drink? Of course, Avimi goes and gets a drink. He comes back. In the meantime, his father fell asleep. And the son, Avimi, stood over him with the drink, waited for him to wake up. Right? He didn't just uh, uh, leave. Oh, he fell asleep. Forget about it. He asked me for a drink. He's, that means he's thirsty. He's going to want his drink. And how, I don't know if he's going to take a short dose for five minutes or for two hours, but he's going to want his drink when he wakes up and he stood there waiting uh, to give his father the drink and as a reward for that Avimi was successful in giving a good interpretation of uh, of mizmor le'asaf, a difficult mizmor, that no one could figure out what it meant, and so that was what, what greater reward could there be could there be than that than being able to uh, open up and decipher a difficult mizmor tehilim. Amal le Rav Yaakov bar Abu Abaye kigon ana the ad the atena mi berav Abba madlili kasa v'imam mazgali hechi e'abid. So now a question: Rabbi Yaakov bar Abu asked uh, Abaye. So uh, he says, "Me, I come from I come home from the Bet Midrash, and I have great parents. And uh, even before I come home, my father brings me a cup. My mother is pouring uh, the mazgali uh, uh, means to mix, right?" mixing the wine and the water for me and they're they're serving me what should i do i want to serve my parents but every time i come home right they love me so much that they are serving me can i accept that and his response is it's okay to accept the drink from your mother but not from your father because he himself is a ben Torah he learns Torah so he will be depressed and upset if he if the son does not give him proper respect so even the father is going and out of his way to 
serve the sun, uh, but the proper expectation is that if the son would take it, the father would be like, "Wow, he just you just sat there and took it, and uh, you know, and uh, and thought it was okay." Or the father's being nice and outgoing, but the proper uh, proper protocol is for the son to refuse the father doing something for him. He says, "No, dad, I I'll, I should get you a drink. You don't get me a drink." He should refuse it. That's because his father is a bentola, but mother has a different relationship with her. Uh, for her, she's not going to feel slighted if the son uh, accepts the drink from her the mother is more more humble more uh, uh, more um, uh, self self-effacing and so she she's not going to think to herself oh I can't believe he actually accepted uh, this and so uh, it's not greater it's not better or worse it's just uh, different personalities and so the son has to know right how will the parent feel if I do take this uh, will they end up feeling bad or is it okay Rabbi Tarfon had a certain way of treating his mother. Whenever she wanted to go up on, onto her bed, I guess she had a bed that was high up, so he would bend over and she would step on his back and climb up. And when she wanted to come down from her bed, so she would step on him and come down from the bed. That's how great it was his uh, respect for his mother he would be he didn't mind being used as a human stepping stool so he came to the Bemidrash and said oh I yeah uh, you know you, this is a great thing that happened to me I was able to uh, honor my mother by being stepped on I do this every day they said oh you think that's a that's a big deal to honor your mother that way you haven't even gotten to half of the honor that you need to do for your mother did it ever happen to you that your mother came and took your wallet and threw it into the sea in front of you and you just took it passively and didn't embarrass her? Right, we'll see on the next half a story about that. You haven't done that, so you haven't been quite tested to the full extent. Right, it's good, of course, it's a good thing that you do this for your mother, but nothing to boast about. There's a lot more uh, to do. Rav Yosef when Rav Yosef heard his mother's footsteps, he says, I have to stand up before the Divine Presence. He treated his mother like uh, he would Divine Presence, as we saw in the previous staff that brought the similarities between the word Kabed in both contexts. Rabbi Yochanan says, Praiseworthy is someone who never met his father and mother. He may have been an orphan himself. And uh, why Why is that good? Well, I mean, obviously, it's, it's uh, very unfortunate for a person to not have, uh, have a father and mother. But his point is that uh, the, to treat one's parents properly is so difficult right it's just kind of almost inevitable that at some point or another someone a, ch- a, a son a daughter will not give the proper treatment the proper honor to his parents and so if someone doesn't have parents then they are relieved of that test and in fact as soon as mother became pregnant his father died and as soon as his mother 
uh, gave birth to him, she died, and so Rabbi uh, Yochanan, very sadly, was an orphan, but he was able to see the bright side of it, uh, so a little bit of a silver lining, that he, um, he uh, did not have to go through that difficult test that, you know, it's almost impossible to, at some point, not to uh, be disrespectful or not live up to the full honor that is due to a parent. But he also had the same thing. He also was an orphan right at birth. Hold on. Abaye many times is quoted as saying, um, my mother told me. He quotes all kinds of uh, good wisdom and, and health statements and things from his mother. Oh, that mother was not his biological mother. It was his foster mother or adopted mother who took care of him. Who gave him a lot of wisdom? Well, she, I mean, he called. He called. He called him. He called her mother, uh, because of that. But it actually, was not his biological mother. Ravase had an elderly uh, mother. And his, his mother is already uh, had dementia. And uh, one day, one day, she said, "I want jewelry." So Abadla, he made. He got jewelry for her. He said, I want, a, I want a husband to marry. I want a man. She said, okay. He said, okay, I'll look for a man for you to marry. She said, I want a husband as, as handsome as you. So now Ravase realized that you know she's uh, she's gone senile and she's she doesn't know what she's saying. So Yisrael. So he left and traveled. He went from Baver to Eretz Yisrael. You know, he was not able to take care of his mother properly anymore. She's asking all these things, and now he he can't fulfill what she's asking. And uh, kind of uh, building on what we said before, right? Better not to have a mother because uh, then you can't you can't fulfill it, right? And so many people have this difficulty today with a with a parent who's uh, who has uh, dementia, and it's just very 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 difficult. To, of course, we uh, honor such parents, um, but um, being able to uh, cross, you know, uh, uh, walk that fine line between honoring and taking care and um, knowing what what you have to do and not do. So it's so difficult. So he said, I'm just going to leave to Eretz Yisrael. I don't know how to deal with this. Now he heard a rumor that she is following him to Eretz Yisrael. We'll see what that rumor actually meant. So he goes to his teacher. Goes to his teacher, and he says, Am I allowed to leave the land of Israel? Generally, there's a prohibition. Once you live in Israel, you're not allowed to leave Israel unless it's for some very good reason. So he wants to go, and uh, you know his mother's coming there. It's like you know this is uh, is a mess. He has to go and uh, and 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 greet her and get, you know stop her on the way and see what she needs. So he says, "Can I leave?" Amale Asur. He said, "No, you're not allowed to leave. You live in Israel. That's it. You're here. You're not allowed to leave." Likrat imamahu. She says, "What about what if I have to go greet my mother? Right? I, I heard a rumor that she's coming. I really need to go." Amale eniodeh. So the Bichonan says, "I don't know. I don't know what to tell you." Ravase waited a few minutes and then went back to the Biochan and asked him again. Oh, so did you think about it yet? Did you come up with an answer? Can I leave? My mother's my mother's coming. So Rabbi Yochanan realized that he's getting badgered. Rabbi Yochanan, obviously, you decided that you're going to leave. I know you keep coming and asking me. I already told you the first time you're not allowed. And you came back and said, oh, but my mother's coming. I said, listen, I don't know. And now you're coming again and again. Okay, you decide you're going to leave. May, may uh, God bring you back in peace. He gives him a blessing.
Now, Davaseh uh, wasn't sure what that in response meant. He, he, so he asked Rabbi Al-Azhar, what should I do with Rabbi Yochanan's answer? Maybe he's angry at me. He said, oh, if you decided to go, go. Right? So is he angry at me? Did I treat him disrespectfully that I kept uh, asking him? What, what exactly did he tell you? He gave me a blessing. He said, may, may God bring you back in peace. This is no, don't worry. If Rabbi Yochanan was really angry at you, he wouldn't have given, given you a blessing. He would have just said, you want to go? Go. And he would have stopped at that. So if he gave you a blessing, it means he understands that you're under a difficult, a difficult situation. You're under pressure. And they meant he sincerely go and uh, may may you come back in peace. In the meantime, now the rumor got clarified when he heard that his mother is coming. It doesn't mean that his mother is like you know uh, uh, alive and traveling to Eretz Israel to come find her son or something. No, his mother had died, and it's her coffin that is coming. They're going to bury it in Eretz Israel. You learn from here. There's other stories like this also that even back then. Uh, sometimes when people died in Bavel, they would uh, have uh, they would be buried in Eretz Israel. Amar So then he said, "Oh, had I known that uh, that uh, that she, she herself wasn't, if I thought she was alive and coming, that's why I was going to greet her. Had I known that she had died and her coffin was coming, I never would have left Eretz Israel. Right? I just would have waited here." For her coffin to come, and then they would have buried her here. Tenot Rabbanan mechabedo bechayav mechabedo bemoto. Abelaita teaches that one has to honor his father both in his lifetime and in the parent's death. Bechayav kesad. How does one honor his parents when they are alive? Nishma habedavad aviv lemkomo lo yomar shalechuni bishvil asmi meharuni bishvil asmi piteruni bishvil asmi elakulehu bishvil abba. If he goes to a certain place uh, because his father sent him, his father said, "Right, can you go to?" Uh, 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 Yafo and uh, pick something up for me. Um, so when he's there, he shouldn't tell the people there, uh, you know, hurry up and send me on my way for my own sake, right? Hurry up for my own sake. Uh, let me leave be, because I have other things to do, which makes it sound like he is important, right? And uh, I have other things to do. Rather, since he's doing something on behalf of his father, so he should attribute it to his father and say, uh, and say, you know, please uh, let me go because on behalf of my father, right, out of respect for my father, right, can you uh, do this job that my father asked you to do and let me go? So uh, he should um, show respect to his father by asking the people to do whatever they uh, are asked to do for the sake of his father, not for his own sake. Bimotokesad has one honor his parents after they die. Haya Omer Devar Shimamipiv Loyomar Kach Amar Abba Ela Kach Amar Abba Mori Hareni Kaparat Mishkabo. If one is quoting something from his father who had passed who has passed, he shouldn't say, My father told me this, but rather he should add, My father who told me this, who is my teacher, and may his uh, may I be an atonement for his resting place, uh, meaning any suffering that should happen should come upon me and not upon him, right? May my, uh, my, my, my deeds be an atonement for him. I, I am, uh, you know, humble and respectful and uh, submit myself 
to uh, uh, to continue in his ways and and uh, for 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 good or bad, uh, even bad should be an atonement for his uh, so he should rest better. Now all that's true only within twelve months. The idea is that during the first twelve months after a person dies, that's uh, that's when they are judged. So that's when that's a time when the son would pray for atonement for the father. However, after that, every time he quotes his father, he should say, "May his memory be for a blessing for the life in uh, in the world to come." Now, part of uh, being respectful is one doesn't say his father's name, uh, uh, name, but he always says Abba. Um, but now, what if you have a sage who's teaching and he wants to quote something in the name of his father? He shouldn't say the name of his father. I heard in the name uh, of, if his father's name is uh, Reuven, I heard the name of Rabbi Reuven. He shouldn't say that. Rather, he should change the tradition, even though he heard the tradition a certain way. Let's say he heard the tradition from some student, and the student's name is Rabbi Shimon. So when he heard this uh, this person who's teaching heard the tradition, he heard it from Rabbi Shimon, who said the name of his teacher to be Reuben. So even though generally you're supposed to uh, repeat a tradition in the way that you heard it, but this is uh, Rabbi Reuben's son. So you shouldn't say, I heard from Rabbi Shimon, who said in the name of his teacher to be Reuben. He shouldn't talk, call his father by his first name. But rather he says, I heard from Rabbi Shimon who said in the name of my father. So he does change the tradition for out of respect. However, So generally back then when a teacher was giving a public lecture, it was not considered respectful for the teacher to have to shout out loud for, to a big audience. So he would say it quietly and they had a Turgeman who was a human loudspeaker. So uh, the halakha is that the human loudspeaker, he does not change, uh, not the name of his teacher. Teach, uh, of his father, nor the name of his teacher. So, what does that mean? Abu Deman, whose father are we talking about? If it's the father of the Turgeman, so Turgeman, certainly he is also uh, obligated to honor his father. So that if the main teacher said, uh, I heard the name of Rav uh, uh, the name of Rav. But Rav happens to be the Turgeman's father, so then the Turgeman would have to change the name and say, uh, said Rav Huna in the name of my father. So certainly he would have to change. Rather, it must mean the, fa- the father of the main teacher or the teacher of the main teacher. Then if the Turgeman, so if the main teacher said, would say uh, something like, uh, said Rav Huna in the name of my father, because uh, uh, that right that the the uh, originator of the tradition was the father of the teacher, so the turgeman can say it in a regular way. He doesn't have to say my father; it wouldn't that would be confusing? So rather, the turgeman would change it back to the regular amadavuna amadav, and say it in the in the normal way. Um, or if a teacher, right person, should say in the name of my teacher, so he would say my teacher. The the teach. The, the main the main lecturer would say the name of my teacher, but the Turgeman, if it wasn't his teacher, could leave that out. Here's an example of Mor, the son of Rav Ashe, when he was giving a public lecture called the Pirka. 
as an official public lecture with the Meturgeman. So the Mor Baravashe would say, My father, my teacher said. But the Meturgeman changed it back to the normal to the normal language, Amar Rav Asher, right? That's his father. His father, he's more the son of Rav Asher. So he said, my father taught. The Amora says, Rav Asher taught. Uh, how exactly do you do it? What's the difference between fear and honor? In order to honor a parent, one does not stand in their usual place, if they have a place where they usually stand, or does not sit in their set, uh, set seat and does not uh, um, uh, c- contradict their words. If a father said, right, uh, I, I think this, you don't say, no, dad, you're wrong. Um, and doesn't choose sides. Let's say the father is talking to someone else and arguing with someone else. The son shouldn't come and say, oh, dad, I think you're wrong. I think the other one's right. That son also, according to, according to most opinions, should also not say, oh, dad, I think you're right. right? Oh, even, even supporting the father is disrespectful. If I was like, who asked you, right, the, the, the little uh, kid? To come, even if he's older, it's still it's disrespectful to even say, "Oh, I think you're right," as if you know you're the authority of what you're over, uh, of the whether whether your father is right or wrong. Um, so therefore, a son should not get in the middle of a dispute that the father is having. Kibud, that's all fear. How does one honor a parent? He gives his father food and drink, dresses, covers him, especially when his parents are elderly. Uh, brings him in, takes him out whatever he needs to go somewhere um, takes care of all of his physical needs. Amen.